Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great opportunity to come and worship together, to lift you up, to praise you, Lord, and to, to know how find out from each other how you've been working in each one of our lives, how the blessings, how the perfections have been in Lord, Lord, we may have to speak up a little because we're not supposed to be real close to each other, but we know that your miracles have no limitations and that your love has no limits. So, Lord, as we continue on today with this service, may our hearts be open and may our voices be strong as This we ask in your Son, Jesus. If you'd like to stand and join us, ask the Lord to open the eyes of my heart this morning. Notice how we're social distancing. Wow. <laughs> now I can't even hear Wayne anymore. Open the eyes of my heart.
You know, the Lord is good, and uh, it's good. His people are, are uh, his creation, you know, and, and we're just so thankful to be back together and, and giving praise and honor and glory to Jesus. You know, it's all about him, isn't it? You know, I have um, watched, as I'm sure all of you have, and I've, we've watched our country in my lifetime degenerate. Um, and, and even people who, you know, don't give glory and honor to Christ um, would say the same thing. We've degenerated. Uh, we, we, we have, you know, different idea of how that happened and, you know, why it happened. Uh, but we all see the same thing, that we see the crime and we see the, you know, the school shootings, the broken marriages, children gone astray, the uh, mass dissent. Um, Distrust of authority and government and all, all different, all different areas, and distrust in the church. 
this trust in the, you know, in, in that uh, God has something to say about it. Um, and we don't know, at least I don't know, whether this coronavirus uh, pandemic is as a result of our ungodliness, um, not only in the United States, but around the world, we, we just don't know. We, we can't make that kind of judgment. Uh, but I, you know, I have been thankful that I, I think people have been wakened somewhat that there's something bigger than, than just uh, everyday life and making a living and so on. There's, there's something and someone who is bigger and greater and, and uh, superintends it all. And uh, so we're thankful for that. Um, I don't know whether you're aware, but Tucson ranks 16th in the nation that from, the, from the top. The, the top one are in, in terms of what they call a post-Christian culture. Okay? And, um, and so it's, you know, the, the, the ones who are on the top are, you know, really post-Christian, very, um, very little understanding of Christ and so on. In fact, I'll read you the criteria that they used to establish this. This is from the Barna Research Foundation. And those who are called uh, post-Christian do not believe in God, identify, well, let me explain. They meet 13 or more of the factors out of these 16. And that's how they would identify as post-Christian. They do not believe in God, identify as atheist or agnostic, disagree that faith is important in their lives, haven't prayed to God in the last week, never made a commitment to Christ, disagree the Bible is accurate, have not donated money to a church in the last year, have not attended a Christian church in the last six months, agree that Jesus committed sins, do not feel the responsibility to share their faith, have not read the Bible in the last week, have not volunteered at church in the last week, have not attended Sunday school in the last week, have not attended religious small group in the last week, and uh, have a low uh, engagement with the Bible, are not born again. So that defines um, who they would classify as, as uh, post-Christian. And so it's, you know, it's by percentages. But in Tucson is, um, one, uh, you know, outside of the coast, which is where you would expect that kind of un unbelief and post-Christian culture, uh, Tucson is kind of uh, next in line. So it, it's interesting to me uh, when I read those statistics that uh, we face, you know, we face a post-Christian culture here in Tucson. And this text that we're going to look at today talks to this in terms of um, the centrality of Christ. In fact, the whole book of Colossians uh, was written, Paul wrote it, to again, to uh, make people aware, make these uh, Colossian believers aware that, that it's all about Jesus. Christ is central. Uh, let's open up, you can, you can read it on your, on your uh, outline or you can open up your Bibles. Colossians 2, 1 through 7. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Now, Colossae and Laodicea were on the Lycus River Valley. Um, we've, we've been there many times. And uh, they were kind of sister churches on this, in this Lycus River Valley. 
um, which is actually in the area that we've been church planting for many years, 20, 23 years. And then he says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Thankfulness, I'm sorry. So the central purpose of what Paul is talking about in this is that if we have Christ, we have all the treasures of wisdom and understanding, wisdom and, under, and knowledge. That Christ is the absolute center of all wisdom, all information, all uh, everything that there is. He is absolutely central to the universe, to the creation of the universe, the, uh, as we saw in chapter one, the creation all the way to, uh, he, sustains, uh, he sustains the universe. And if he, if he created the universe and if he sustains the universe, then he is absolutely central to it and everything that goes on. In contrast to that, Paul is, is talking about what he calls fine-sounding arguments, Colossians 2.4. I tell you this so that no one may be de deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Now, there was, uh, as I said, the, the letter of Coloss to the Colossians was written to counteract uh, what is called the Colossian heresy, and we'll go into that more in, in the weeks ahead. Um, but basically, it was that Christ is not central, that you need something, you know, you need Christ, but then you need something beyond Christ. And Paul is pointing them back and saying, no, no, you just need Christ. Uh, Christ is sufficient. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. So what are the fine-sounding arguments in our culture? And the basis of it, I believe, is that we have departed from God, we have... Uh, we have said that we don't need God, uh, generally, as a culture. That's, you know, that's why we define a post-Christian culture. And the kind of the root of that is what we could call ra as rationalism. And let me read you four of the characteristics of rationalism. That rational human minds are like complex computers that all functions by the same essentially neutral processes. There's no room for supernatural revelation. In other words, we don't need to know anything from outside. We have the capability of ourselves to, to uh, make sense of everything. Secondly, we can arrive at certain basic facts about the universe through reason. We don't need, we don't need revelation, we just need our reason. Third, man himself with no tools but the power and objectivity of his reason, now listen to this, can assemble a true and accurate vision of himself and his world and he can interpret that vision. So in, in other words, um, we have the capability to assemble, put together a rational explanation for everything that there is without any kind of supernatural revelation. Um, we have everything it takes. 
And fourth, man himself, apart, totally apart from God or supernatural revelation, can not only solve his personal problems and those of the world, but he can actually make himself and his world a better place to live in. Now, we as Christians say, whoops, wait a minute. <laughs> You're leaving out one important thing. <laughs> Christ created the universe and that we are all sinners. And what we believe as Christians is that we cannot... We are not capable of making this world a better place in and of ourselves through our own rational, you know, methodology and thinking about it, we'll just make it worse. And you put mankind in any kind of situation and he will make things worse. You put, a, you put men in any kind of, even the best systems, the best place, and put man in it and in some way he's going to mess it all up. Because what we need is not our minds, not thinking about things and reasoning through things. We need Christ. We're incapable of understanding ourselves and God, the universe, sin, relationships with our human minds alone. We cannot do it. The key to all wisdom and revelation is that they are revealed, not researched. Man cannot understand without revelation, without the quickening of God's Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Colossians 2.8, and we're going to talk more about this next week, says this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So what we're talking about is we've got to, we've got to reprogram. We've got to, we have to have our minds renewed. We talked about that earlier in uh, in, in the one song that we, our minds have to be renewed. They have to be transformed. We have to have a mental transformation in order to understand things from God's perspective, God's worldview, and that is the right worldview. And if, if we have that foundation, then we can build on that. But we cannot build on a foundation of human reason alone. Verse 2. And three, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what we believe as Christians is that Christ is enough, that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. He's the foundation. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, what is truth? Now, uh, <coughs> what do we mean by truth? Truth is that which is. I, that's a definition I love. Truth is that which is. In other words, it corresponds with reality. Um, it's not something that, you know, that we, that we arrive at some way. Truth just is. And we believe that God created truth, that God is truth, and that Jesus is God. It's as simple as that. And philosophy that's not based on truth, then, is that which is not. It's, 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 it's hollow, as we'll find out next week. It's deceptive. It's ungodly, heretical, deceptive. 
But Christianity, and only Christianity, is founded on truth historically, philosophically, emotionally, spiritually. Christianity is founded upon truth. Christ says, I am the truth. Truth is not found in some kind of abstract, you know, reason, but truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's who he is. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. I love this, this scripture. It's theopneustos. All, it's uh, theo, which means God, and penustos, which means, it's actually the word we get pneumatic from, um, <clears throat> but it means breath. It's the, from the breath of God. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if the Bible is not our standard and is not authoritative in our lives, something or someone else will be authoritative. We'll look to man, we'll look to somebody else and somebody else's philosophy and theology and, and theories and so on. Either Christ is our center and the Bible reveals him or we're looking for something else. And that's where our, our culture has gone astray. Is that we say, well, you know what, we, we, can, we can reason this out. We can arrive at truth by consensus. We can arrive at truth by thinking it through. And what the Bible says, ah, you're not going to get there because your mind is distorted by sin. Your reason is distorted by sin. That's the problem. We need an answer for sin. When our picture of reality is distorted, we begin to believe almost everything and anything. We live in an age when people believe in everything, but don't really know what they believe in at all. If you ask people you know, what they believe, uh, they honestly don't know, because they've never thought it through. If we want to be truly wise, understanding, and knowledgeable, we don't need to have a PhD, but only a true understanding of who Christ is. Now, I'm not making a case here for ignorance, okay? <laughs> and, you know, and I believe in education. I have a doctorate myself. And I believe in education. But Christ is the center. If Christ is not the center of all that information, all that knowledge, and all that wisdom, then it's, it's, it's built on the wrong kind of foundation. When a man ceases to believe in God, he does not believe in nothing, he believes in everything. That's the problem. So in Christ, then, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So why is it hidden, then? You know, why, do, why, can't, why doesn't everybody just go, yeah, okay, I get it. First of all, it's too simple. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Now, you tell a little three- or four-year-old that Jesus loves them, and this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and they go, and that Jesus created the universe, and that he sustains the universe, and he's coming again, they go, oh yeah, sure. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, you know, what are you stupid or something? <laughs> of course, uh, they, it 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 comes. It little children can understand it. That's the beauty, isn't it, of the gospel of Christ? Is that even a little child completely understands it? But it's also so complex that I have, you know, I have three thousand books in my in my library, and. <laughs> I've just got a drop in the bucket of all the books that have been written about Christ and theology and so on over the 2,000 years since Jesus. Well, longer than that because we're talking Old Testament as well. Um, it, it is so complex that you can study it all your life and never really arrive at, you know, you're still understanding things. Secondly, it's so spiritual. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. This is what we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And I love this. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So people who, who God has not been revealed to them, and truth has not been revealed to them from outside, from God's Holy Spirit, they can't understand it. It's foolishness to them. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Because we're talking about a whole different kind of knowledge. Uh, they call it in theological terms, they call it epistemology. It's, it's the knowledge of God, the information of God, the wisdom of God is a different kind of knowledge. It's a spiritual kind of knowledge. And we are spiritual beings we were created by God as spiritual beings, and so in order to really understand things, we have to have spiritual rebirth. We have to have revelation. We have to have God speak to us. That's the foundation. It takes spiritual understanding to plumb the depths of God's word. It's also foreign to our natural understanding. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 25. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews. They stumbled over Jesus and foolishness to Gentiles. You know, how many, you know, I, I hear it all the time. People say, well, you know, you Christians, it, it's just kind of foolishness. I mean, why would you pray to a God who can't be seen, you know? and you're not sure whether he exists. I mean, they, they, they can't understand why we devote our lives to something which is not seen, to, to God. I mean, why not just live life? But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So that's the incredible thing. You know, before I uh, became a Christian, in fact, this was right before I became a Christian, I was studying, and my, my goal was to become a PhD in, psych, in psychology. So I took, uh, I, I had been a business major, so I had to go back and take a bachelor's work in psychology. And I, and I kept um, questioning and, you know, all these theories in psychology, the most recent theories and everything, and it kept coming to a dead ends. 
And I'd think it through, and I'd, you know, and I'd go, well, no, that didn't work, you know. And then I'd try this one over here, and, well, that didn't work, and that didn't work, and this didn't work. And all of them were, <clears throat> were dead ends because the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And only Christ can be that foundation for all wisdom and knowledge. Fourth thing is that it's integrated with all of life. Colossians 2, 2, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in hearting and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So there's two things that are talked about here. One is encouraged in heart. And we've, in order to understand true under, you know, information and knowledge and wisdom, we have to have a pure heart. That's what Jesus said in, in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We cannot see God. We cannot arrive at true information without a purity of heart. It takes, it takes a soul searching. It takes, it takes understanding the, our own sin in order to understand who God is. It has to be revealed. And it comes from being united in love. It's important that we have right relationships with each other. Uh, in Matthew 6, 15, Jesus said, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And what he's saying is, you're not going to be able to enjoy the things of God unless you forgive each other. Unless you have right relationships, you're not going to understand who God is. It's going to be a deterrent to you. Now, regular information, you know, um, normal kinds of information. You don't have to have a, a, a right heart condition in order, in order to know, you know, mathematics or whatever it is. You can, you can study mathematics. You can, you can study planetary science or whatever it is. You can, you can study it without having a pure heart. But if you're going to know God, you've got to have a pure heart. If you're going to walk with Christ, you've got to examine your own heart. You've got to examine your own relationships or you're not going to understand it. So the result then is a full life in Christ. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And this is kind of an interesting word here, continue to live in him. It's a present imperative in the Greek, and what it means is, uh, present imperatives mean it's an act that you, you, you're, you're commanded to do it, but then you have to keep doing it, continue to live in him. So it's not just a one-time kind of thing. Okay, you know, I know Christ, and, I, and that's it. I'm going on. I'm going to go be with Jesus in eternity. It's continue to live in him. We are to be continually examining our life, continually uh, looking at our lives and living in and for Jesus Christ. So there's continuity. We're to live in Christ just as we received him. And the first way that we do that is that we are rooted in Christ. Now we in the desert, we understand this, okay? What it means to be rooted. Um, the, you know, you look out, I, one of my loves is I, I love growing trees. We have, I think, about 100 trees on our property. And I love to, to grow trees. And we planted uh, a mesquite tree about, 
oh, four or five, six years ago, and it didn't go anywhere. It it was about the same size that it was six or seven years ago. And so this last fall, we find that Caroline's been after me, and finally I said, okay, we're going to replace it. So we put this mesquite tree in, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do this differently than I usually do. I'm going to plant in the fall so it has time in the fall to get its roots down. And, And that's what we did. We planted it last fall. Well, this spring is just taking off. Why? Because the mesquite, the, the, uh, you know, the reason mesquite grows so well in the, in the desert is it has a tremendous taproot, it has tremendous, la- tremendous lateral roots. And so it can get moisture from, from any place. Not any place, but I mean, you know, there are limits to even mesquites. But, but they're amazing the way that they can survive long periods of drought. Well, so we are to be rooted like those mesquite trees. We are to be rooted in God's word. Strong in God's word. Psalm 1.3 says, He, that is the righteous person, is like a tree planted by streams of water. Okay, that, we don't have that here much. <laughs> Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Well, how does that happen? We're rooted. We've got a strong taproot in God's word. So that even in dry periods, our leaf still grows. Our leaves are strong. And we're not, uh, you know, we're not thrown off course. Secondly, that we're built up in him. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So as I was mentioning earlier, the... Jesus is the source, the foundation, the the cornerstone of all information, of all knowledge, of of the whole universe, of everything that there is. Christ is the center of that. So if we are going to be built up in Christ, we've got to start with the right foundation. If our foundation is in Christ, then that building can grow, that uh, tree or that building or wherever it is, can grow and become what it needs to grow what it needs to be. Um, and I don't know, how many of you have been to Israel? Uh, the, and I think, especially when I think of this, being built on a solid foundation, the temple, the stones in that temple are huge. I, I mean, I don't know how on earth they got those stones to, you know, to build, that, to build the old temple. I mean, they're just enormous stones. Well, they're built on a solid foundation. They're built to be strong. They're built to weather time. And God wants us to build our house in a way so that it can stand the storms of life. Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So we want to have a strong taproot, and we want to have a good-sized rock and a good foundation so that we can grow. Third thing is, we need to be strengthened in the faith. And there's two parts to being strengthened in the faith. One is a greater integration of Christianity and Christian thinking, what we would call a Christian view, with the other parts of who we are. How many of you have seen The Truth Project? 
Have you done that as a church? Okay, a couple of you. Uh, Truth Project, what they've done is to take a Christian worldview and apply it to all the different disciplines and say, okay, so what, you know, what does it mean to think Christianly about the other disciplines, all the disciplines of, of, of life? <clears throat> you know, what, what does that mean? How, in other words, how does our Christian worldview infiltrate every single area of our lives? And the more that our Christianity is integrated into every area of our lives, the stronger we are. If you haven't seen that, I would really recommend it. Uh, it's an incredible series. But secondly, is a deeper conviction of what we already know. How do we believe, not just believe more, but believe deeper what we do know? It's by putting God's word into practice. The more that we, that we read God's word, God's word was not intended to be just an intellectual exercise. It's intended to be something we read God's word and then we put it into practice. And as we do that, we find, whoops, wait a minute, it actually works. Oh, it, and it works in our marriage, and it works as a parent, and, it, and it, you know, it works in every single area of life. If we build our business on God's principles, it'll work. Caroline started a school, and she based it upon God's word, and it was incredible. In three years, they were, they were one of the what, top five schools in Arizona uh, in three years. And, you know, because she founded it upon scriptural principles. Everything that we do, if it's founded on scriptural principles, it'll work. And the last thing is it's overflowing with thankfulness. And if we understand who Christ is, the result is an overflowing of thanksgiving. That's, there's no other reaction than if Christ is center, and if we really understand who Christ is, it just leads to this incredible, God, I can't believe you're so good. I can't believe that you've done so much. I can't believe who you are. It's unbelievable. And we are overflowing with thanksgiving and gratitude for what Christ has done. Well, in conclusion then, since Jesus is the source of all wisdom and knowledge, I believe that we need to make in our lives the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of, of God's word central to our lives. They have an absolute central place in our lives. Um, you know, it, so it's not like a university. University, you've got a school of psychology and you've got a school of aeronautics and you've got, you know, you've got all these different departments and then you've got a religion department over here somewhere. And that's not supposed to, that's not supposed to impact all those other you know, because they're all separate disciplines. What Jesus wants is that that school of theology is center to our lives. Christ, the knowledge of his word, Christ as, uh, his, as creator and Christ as sustainer, and Christ as coming king is central, absolutely central to everything else that we do in life. There's a song I've, I've heard recently, and I just love it. The refrain is, if I have Jesus, I have everything, but without him, I have nothing. I love that. With Jesus, I have everything. Without him, I have nothing. So I'd like to encourage you 
to, you know, our job is to turn Tucson into a Christian culture again instead of a post-Christian culture. That's what we're doing. And we do that one by one. We start with ourselves, and then, and then we tell our neighbors. And our goal is to see, you know, this little church here can make a profound impact in Tucson. You can make a profound impact in your family, in your neighborhood, and wherever you are, in your workplace, and whatever you're doing, as Christ is central to you, and Christ's word is central to your lives, God will build upon that foundation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that it is so simple that a little three or four-year-old can understand it. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us to put Christ as central in our lives. Center place. Building everything upon him, upon his word, upon who he is and what he has said. So that we can have a proper foundation, Lord. So that we can have that taproot that goes deep down into our, our being, the very center of our being, so that we can be fruitful, Lord. As it says in Psalm 1, Lord, that, that our leaf might not wither. And Lord, in, even in times of, of this pandemic, um, we've had to examine what's central to our lives. What's really important? Who's important? And Father, we set our course right now as, as your people. We set our course to put Christ and his word central in our lives. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the reminder that you must be central to all things that are in our world and that you are central to all of them, Lord. Without you there, there is always a gap, always a missing hole. So Lord, let us always remember that you're there, you're with us always in all that we do and all that we care about. This we lift up to you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God be with us till we meet again. By his counsels guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with us till we meet again. Go in peace. God bless.